If you want to turn to Hebrews, you can. That's in the New Testament. Most of you are probably familiar with it because you've been reading in there the last few days. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. If y'all notice, I'm moving kind of weird. It's not that there's anything wrong. I went to the doctor and got spun around for my vertigo today, and she told me I need to try to keep my head still and not move fast and not look down very much. So that's why I'm kind of moving robotically. But I'm fine. Nothing to, no, no worries there. But if you notice that I'm kind of glaring down and not really looking, that's why. Trying to keep my head straight. Miss Pat knows what I'm talking about. Some of the rest of y'all might have had that before, too. It just kind of comes and goes. But that's just one of those things. Uh, Hebrews, that's where we're reading at. We've uh, uh, been in Hebrews in our daily Bible reading. Uh, started last week, and uh, some of you may be following along with that. And uh, I know for me, like, I, I need kind of that extra little bit of an encouragement. Uh, I think it's so important for us to be in God's Word. And naturally, I, I find other things that I want to do that keep me too busy or keep me sidetracked that I don't want to be in God's Word. And I always am blessed when I read God's Word. I always get something out of it. I may not always dig in super deep, but I always do get something out of it just from, from reading it. And it's amazing to me, really, how many things that, that, that kind of jump out to me, even if it's just that one or two verses, when I'm, uh, when I'm in the Word daily or in the Word on a regular basis, things that I, that I would miss if I didn't kind of uh, spur myself to, to be in the Word and see what God's Word has to, to say to me and to say to all of us. And uh, that's what we're going to talk about, just a couple of verses tonight, <laughs> Hebrews uh, chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. But we're going to talk about the book of Hebrews for just a second before we jump in. Give Mr. Thomas one of those good introductions that he likes. I thought about this because uh, Michelle was asking me a lot of questions last night about Hebrews that I just didn't, I wasn't sure about the answer on some of them. I didn't know the answer on some of them. And so I think what I'll be doing over the next few months, for those of you who are following along, every time we start a new book, Whenever we start that new book on that Wednesday night following, uh, I'll kind of give a little background, a little introduction to it. Maybe uh, some of you have study Bibles or you look those things up on your computer and learn a little more about them, and that's good if you do. But if you're like me, you probably have questions as you read. Well, what does that mean, and what's that for, and, and who wrote the book, and who was it wrote to? And those are good questions for us to ask when we look at the book of Hebrews, because we don't really know who wrote the book of Hebrews. When we see most of Paul's writings in the New Testament, it says Paul's name on the letter somewhere. We know that it's from Paul because the letter says so. Paul says, I'm the one writing this letter to you. We also see kind of a similar pattern with Paul's writings, and we also know who Paul is writing to because the books that we have are named as such to, to tell us who they were written to. For instance, Corinthians was written to Corinth, and Thessalonians was written to the people in Thessalonica. And so we, we know where most of these books were written to. But what about the book of Hebrews? Hebrews is simply a word for Jew. So uh, whenever you hear the word Hebrews, you can uh, think of it as this book was written to Jews. But we don't know 
what Jews this book was written to. We just don't know. People have been trying to figure it out and studying and guessing and having opinions as to who they thought it was written to. Some would say it was written to Jews who were living in Jerusalem. Others would say it was written to Jews living in Rome, Jews living around Italy. Uh, But there is really no way for us to know exactly who wrote the book or who it was written to. Some people would say that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, uh, but I think that it is that it is it is likely that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews uh, in some sense because some of the things that are said go along with uh, with the things that Paul said. But based on the beginning of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter two verse three, if y'all want to turn there, you can. Uh, but I'll read it to you, and it says this: Hebrews two three says. How will we escape if we ne- neglect such a great salvation? Now, this, this next part's the part that we, that, that, that we need to, to hear. It was first spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. And so the person who is, who is preaching this message here has not experienced the Lord firsthand. He's saying that he has heard these, these, these things about Jesus Christ through someone else who heard Jesus Christ personally. And so that verse right there gives us a good clue that it may not have been Paul that wrote this. After all, Paul received the information firsthand from Jesus himself. It wasn't hearsay. He didn't hear the message from someone else who had seen Jesus. But the writer of Hebrews here is saying that they heard the message and the ones he's talking to have heard the message through others who heard Jesus preach and teach the message. So it could have been Paul or it could have been someone else. Uh, It may not have been Paul because it doesn't follow the same pattern as the rest of the letters that Paul wrote. Paul's letters are, are, are pretty much... You could just about make a template for how Paul is going to write a letter. There's going to be uh, an introduction. Uh, There's going to be maybe some word of encouragement. And then there's going to be a long, most of the books, either going to be him uh, 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 giving some some praise to the people, telling them that they're doing a good job, or either he's going to be getting on to the people, as we've seen in Corinthians as we study that. And then he's going to have some final thoughts and maybe a, a, a word of encouragement there as he closes the letter. And so all of Paul's letters follow a template that's pretty close to that. Uh, but with Hebrews, we don't really see that introduction. We don't really see that to the, to the people of this place. I write this along with my friends who are with me and so and so in place. Uh, we send you a greeting in love and we hope that God blesses you. You know, usually Paul's writings would start in something similar to that. But in Hebrews, the author just jumps right in there. He begins with a sermon. He begins right off the bat, no introduction. This is who I am. This is who it's to. He just simply starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he, he, he preaches in the first couple of chapters there, the first few chapters, the author of Hebrews is, is preaching about the superiority of Jesus Christ. When the book of Hebrews first starts, the author is talking about Jesus is superior to angels. Now, it doesn't tell us what's going on in the society there, but we can conclude, I think, uh, rightly, that the people were, were worshiping angels in some way because the author here is saying, look, don't worship angels. Jesus is higher than the angels. That's important for us to recognize that 
Because even in our world today, guess what? You're going to encounter people from other religious groups right here in Liberty who are going to tell you that Jesus is an angel. And so even we are faced with these uh, temptations to uh, believe something that is not in the Bible. Jesus is not an angel. And that's what the author of Hebrews was making the point. Jesus is superior to angels. Uh, the author goes on to make the point that Jesus is also superior to Moses. Now, we see these, these, these look-backs. Uh, if, if, I don't know if that's even a word. We see these times where, where the authors in the New Testament look back to Moses usually making some kind of comparison as to how things were in the Old Testament, but how they were just a shadow uh, of things to come, how they were pointing us forward to Jesus. And the author of Hebrews does the same things. He points out that Moses obviously was someone that was a man of God, and for the Jewish people, some of them held Moses a little too high. They were always going back to the words of Moses but they did so uh, at, uh, by, by pushing Jesus' words to the, to the side. Jesus would come and preach and teach them, and they would want to go back to Moses. And so the author of Hebrews is saying, nope, Jesus is superior to angels. Jesus is superior to Moses. Jesus is superior to the priest of the Old Testament. The Old Testament system of, of, of following a priest and the priest having to offer the sacrifice and all of these rules and regulations that had to be followed... The author of Hebrews grows into great detail uh, toward the middle of the book and talks about how Jesus is a better high priest than what was in the Old Testament. And so the beginning of the book of Hebrews, and most of the book of Hebrews essentially, is pointing the people toward the fact that Jesus is superior to anything or anyone else that they may be tempted to worship. And this book is written probably to Christians, or at least people who had heard, but the language that is used here is a language of warning, telling the people, you need to pay attention. Don't give up. Don't, don't let the persecution that you are facing, and the people that he's talking to here were facing uh, persecution, were getting ready to face persecution at least, and this word of warning, this word of encouragement was, don't forsake Jesus, but keep Jesus at the top of everything, because Jesus is superior to everything. We don't know who wrote the book. It could have been Paul. Uh, other, uh, other thoughts are it could have been Barnabas. It could have been Silas. It could have been Apollos. It could have been a number of other people that we see in the New Testament. It could have possibly been that this was a sermon that Paul had given and someone else recorded it, which is why it starts out in the way that it does. But Paul does say in 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3, uh, I can't remember what verse it is, but he says that whenever he writes a letter to the people, that he always writes his name on it, that he always signs it so that they know that it's him that wrote the letter. And we don't see that in the book of Hebrews. So it kind of it gives us the impression that perhaps Paul did not write the book. We don't know who it was written to, and we don't know who wrote it, but we know this. It is the Word of God. And whoever wrote the book of Hebrews, I believe wholeheartedly, was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Everything that we see in the book of Hebrews lines up with everything else that we see in Scripture. It does not contradict anything we say. The book of Hebrews lifts Jesus Christ up as the one and only Son of God, the one who gave his life for our sins, that he is superior to all things, that we need to hold firm to our trust in him, and that he will deliver us, that we need to 
look at Jesus as being the one who is superior and have faith in him. And we see that in Hebrews chapter 11 and Hebrews chapter 12 as we begin to, to see those people who are heroes of faith, if we can call them that. Uh, the book of Hebrews was probably written around uh, 65 A.D. It probably was written before the time that the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. because there's no reference to that. Uh, it would appear as though the people are still following those old ways of worshiping that the law uh, had called for, that Jesus had freed them from, but they still had not realized that. They still hadn't come to grips with that. And so the author of Hebrews is trying to get them to do away with the old and focus on the new way that is Jesus Christ that God has provided. The sermon won't be that long. But anyway, that's kind of a, that's, that's kind of a brief introduction to the, to the book of Hebrews. And so maybe that gives you a little background and a little help. And uh, I know it helps me to, to go back and read and kind of know what, at least the setting of what was going on when the book was written. And so uh, for, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. Let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you tonight and I thank you for these words. I pray that you would just help us to just, just take these words to heart. As simple as they may be, dear Lord, they are so true and they are so easy for us to understand. So help us to get them tonight. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Amen. Hebrews four twelve and 13. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. Now that's good stuff right there. Isn't, isn't that a wonderful, beautiful, simple definition of what God's word does there? Now, when it talks about cutting to the bones and the marrow, it's not talking about when we read it, all of a sudden there will be a physical gash that will take place in our body. But he's speaking in spiritual terms there. And he talks about it going to the deepest parts of your soul. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but how many times have you read God's Word and you read something and it convicted you? You read something and you realize, whoa, I'm doing that. And the Bible says I shouldn't be doing that and I shouldn't be acting that way. And as we read God's Word, it kind of begins to peel back the layers of our heart uh, that are covered in darkness. And it begins to shine light in there. And the devil would like us to live in that darkness and that sin. But as the layers are peeled back, as we read God's Word and He begins to reveal to us what we should not be doing or thinking or saying or way we should be acting. When the light comes in there at first, it kind of, kind of burns a little bit. Now think about a, a vampire. If you've ever watched a vampire movie, you know that vampires come out at night and it's good. But if they're going to try to kill a vampire, sometimes they want to lure it into the sun or they want to get it into the light. Because as soon as the light hits the darkness, as soon as it hits the vampire, it, he begins to burn. He begins to melt. He begins to get destroyed. And that's kind of what our sinfulness is like when we are living in sin or doing or saying or acting in a way we shouldn't. There's some darkness there, and oftentimes when we read the light that is God's Word, and it shines in the darkness, it, it burns at first. But that's a good thing for the Christian. It's a good thing for the Christian that we, that we feel that. It's a good thing that God's Word is able to get down real deep. It's able to convict us in a way that other people may not be able to. 
It's able to see things that no one else can see, but God can see, and the Holy Spirit who is in us knows, and that's why we need to be in God's Word. That's why it's important for us as Christians to be in God's Word, because if we are never in God's Word, then how is the Holy Spirit going to use it in our life? Now, it's not that the Holy Spirit cannot convict us or lay something on our heart without God's Word, but I believe that it's through God's Word that the Holy Spirit acts and works in our life. Verse 13, no creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. What a follow-up right there. Everything that we do is not hidden from God. You know, as humanity, we sometimes want to hide things from other people. That's kind of naturally what we want to do, especially if we are doing something wrong. In particular, perhaps when I was a teenager, uh, well, not me, but my sister, when she would do wrong stuff, would want to hide it. And perhaps maybe some of you have had that temptation when you were a teenager doing something that you weren't supposed to do. What did you do? You tried to hide it. You didn't want mom and dad to know those things that you were trying to do. So you tried to hide those things and you thought you were doing a good job. But little did you know that mom and dad were pretty smart. And then we grow up, and then you become a mom and dad of your own, and then you realize, well, kids are, are not as smart as they think they are, and we're not as dumb as they think we are. And, and sometimes we think that we can hide things, maybe even from God, but this word is a good reminder to us that no creature is hidden from him. All things are exposed. Everything that we do, God sees all the time. It doesn't matter if you fool me. It doesn't matter if I fool you. None of us fool the Lord. And that kind of cuts to the quick right there. That kind of cuts to the core right there. And then at the end of verse 13, it really cuts to the core. Because to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now that's the scary part one day. To think back at your life and all the things that you have done. Not even your life. Think back to the last week. Just think back of having to stand before God and give an account to Him for all the things that you have thought and said and done in the last week. And think about a whole lifetime. And so that kind of should get our attention as Christians. That should get our attention so that we realize the, the significance of our sins. That we realize the importance of God's Word. That we read the Word. That we see what God has to say to us so that we are convicted of those things and that we do repent of those things. Now there may be some here tonight that are just like those Hebrew people. Uh, that are that are not living in the way that they should be living that are putting other things above Jesus that are that are trying to find fulfillment in something other than Jesus Christ who are maybe doubting God or or wanting to even turn from God because he's not acting in the way that you think he should or not doing what you think he should and there may be some of us here who are acting or living like Hebrews and these words that the author gives to the people here are just as good for us as they are for them that we stand firm, that we remember that Jesus is superior to everything that is in our life, that we stand firm on the tough days, that we don't give in to sin, and that we don't give up under persecution, but that we cling to Jesus Christ and we have faith in Him, that we continue to be in the Word and let the Holy Spirit speak into our life. 
As the Bible says, it's a living word. It says that in verse 12. Now, I know there's lots of scriptures that we probably all wish we knew everything about, but there are some that we just do not. There are some that we just do not know everything about and probably won't during this life. But the good thing is, is that even if we don't know every aspect of God's Word, even if we may not understand everything that was going on in the culture of their times and exactly the context in which it was written and how it was supposed to be taken by that audience, the good thing about God's Word is that it is living and the Holy Spirit can use it to speak into our life. Should we want to know and understand the context of God's Word and how it was written and what it meant then? Sure we should. I think that it's helpful to us, it's beneficial to us, it helps us to grow in the Lord when we can dig in and really understand God's Word. But even if we don't know everything, even for people who have never heard God's Word and pick it up for the first time and read it and don't know anything about Moses or the prophets or anybody else and they read about Jesus Christ, the fact that it's a living Word, God can speak into their life and God can use that to touch their heart. And praise God that we have that. Praise God that we don't have to be scholars and know every detail and know who wrote it and who it was written to and when it was wrote. But we know that Jesus Christ is all that matters. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to us. And he reveals the truth and conviction that we need to hear. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words. And I pray that you just would uh, help us to, to, to think about this as we read your word. To know, to remember that it is living. That it's working in our life, dear Lord. That it's... Sometimes we need to read it because sometimes we need to hear those things that are tough to hear. But God, sometimes we need to hear those encouraging words. We need to hear those reminders that you love us. We need to hear those reminders that you are our strength and weakness, dear Lord. And so help us to read your word and help us to be blessed by it and help us to be corrected by it and all the things that it does. And God, help us not to get down about the things that may be confusing that we don't know answers to, but help us to... Always remember, God, that your word is living. And so, God, let us just uh, hang on that fact that even if we don't know all the details perfect, God, your Holy Spirit can still use your word to speak into our heart and speak into our lives. And I pray that you would do that for each one of us every time we come together here to read or any time we read uh, on our own or hear your word preached or teach somewhere else, dear Lord. Help the Holy Spirit to reveal it to us. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.